just going to share with you a few minutes tonight some things I've been going over. And like I tell, it's just such a habit. I tell all our wildlife teachers, do not stand up there and teach a lesson unless it's an object lesson. I just, I just think it's more fun that way. I just like it. And I want to talk to you tonight about altars. Just a little study. I mean, volumes have been written on the subject of altars. Uh, I mean, like deep and, and like meaningful, powerful. You can take classes at Bible school on just altars. And so this is just skimming the surface kind of just some things from my notes. I've been looking over in, in devotion in my uh, morning time, and I just thought I'd, I would share it with you guys. Um, though the concept of bringing a sacrifice to God is obvious in the Bible at the very beginning, uh, Adam, Eve, Cain, and Abel, the first time the word altar is used uh, in the Bible, that would be Genesis 8, when Noah gets off the ark and builds an altar. History records four materials used in the construction of um, altars. Um, That would be stone, dirt, metal, and brick. Okay? And so I don't know that archaeologists have unearthed any sawhorses uh, as altars. I feel like they're missing out if they haven't. Um, Where are my two high priests? I need two high priests. And um, Wendy... I need the, uh, the prayer cloth, and then I need my little lamb. I need a sacrifice. Come on, Jeremiah. We're going to sacrifice you, Jeremiah. This is going to be the most fun you've had on a Wednesday night in a long time. Let's see, what, let's see if, if, if Tyler and Aaron are ready for ministry. Here we go. So, like, can you imagine, like, they had to get real, not just little animals like this, but real animals. Lay back. You're fixing to get sacrificed. Lay down. All right, make sure he's okay. And so, I imagine it looks something just like this. You are the cutest little lamb. And he's a ticklish little lamb. And so... Think about this. Think about, like, here's Noah, and you can be one of his sons. I won't make you Mrs. Noah. You can be one of his sons, okay? Like, do you realize, like, they get right off the ark, right? And only seven of every clean animal was on the ark, right? So can you imagine if in the whole of the earth there were only seven sheep? And Noah sacrificed one of them to God. And we struggle with 10%. I'm just going to throw that in for free. That wasn't in my journal. In the whole earth, there's only seven cows. And Noah sacrifices. He burns it up. Kills it. Say moo. Okay, you can... Care, don't move. They'll get, they'll get you up. You can set our give our little lamb a hand, <laughs> and our high priest. One of them's leaving the priesthood to get married. Tyler's engaged. What? Uh, as we know, though, 
altars weren't just brick and stone and dirt. Um, It was a place where God and humanity connected. It was a place of exchange, communication, influence. It was the visible world touching the invisible world. And um, let's stand and um, turn to Genesis 12. I felt obligated. You know, he's supposed to be here talking about Genesis. Cassandra, why do we got to do everything? Someone's got to talk about Genesis. If he's not, he said he was going to. He hasn't in two weeks. And so Cassandra's going to sing, and I'm going to talk about Genesis. Come on. So turn to Genesis 12. Uh, Let's start with uh, verses 1 through 3. This is the call of Abram. This is just uh, something about altars I noticed. I never saw this before, Miss Cynthia. I just saw this uh, last week. I I liked it. And so I'm going to talk about it right now. The call of Abram. Verse 12, the Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. There's the sacrifice. Here's the blessing. And I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Because if you need a blessing, you should be a blessing. And I will bless those that bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Let's say a prayer real quick. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it is alive, it is quick, it is powerful, and it is able to change each of us into what you would have us to be. Help us to understand more of your word each day. Everybody say in Jesus' name. You can sit down. Those are some awesome promises. And that's the easy part to always hear. You know what I mean? That's the good part, the promises. And, and Abram heard the promises, and they appealed to him. So he went down to the UPS store. He bought the boxes. He bought the tape. He probably got the good tape. And, you know, we've moved 16 times. We've been married 29 years, and we've moved 16 times. That's a lot of dirty rent houses. And it's been loads of fun. But I personally am tired of moving. Don't ever want to move again. And so Abram believed the promises. He loaded up and he obeyed partially. He also loaded up his family that God had told him to leave. And um, he didn't go the whole, where's my map? I got a map. You can't, you can't talk without a map. There's Abraham, see? And here's Ur. And so he leaves, and God said go to Canaan. But what he did was he went up on to Haran, right up there at the top, and he stayed there for a few years. So he partially obeyed. God is so merciful. God is so, he's so good. He's so, he's so merciful. Um, so he, he hung out there for a few years, but eventually he did go to Canaan. He did kind of make it there. And so look at Genesis uh, chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. I'm in the NIV with this. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of, of Moran. I bet it looks just like that tree at Homer's house. You know, the big one with the branches. I mean, it had to be some kind of tree to make it into the Bible. I'm just guessing, but 
What tree makes it into the Bible? At Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Talk about, now this is like faith and not by sight. So he's in Canaan. The Canaanites are in the land. And the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Okay, so there you go. He hears from the Lord. He builds an altar. There's that communication. Verse 8. From there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent. With Bethel on the west, I'm a left-right person. I'm not a north-south, east, or west person. I don't even know where that is. Let's pretend it's over here. With, where did I go? Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar. Here's another one. He built an altar to the Lord, and he called on the name of the Lord. Okay? So in verse 7, he heard from God. He built an altar. He's feeling pretty good about things. You've got to realize there's quite a, sometimes there's a long period of time just between one verse and the next. And so there was quite a period of time between verses 7 and 8. And so he's feeling pretty good about things. And in verse 8, in verse 7, he heard from the Lord and he built an altar. And there was that communication. But in verse 8, it doesn't say he heard from the Lord. It just says he built an altar. But it doesn't say he heard from the Lord. Without hearing from the Lord, he went on and moved uh, to a space between Bethel and Ai. Okay? Bethel, house of God. Ai, heap of ruins. And isn't that still a popular suburb even today? Not too far from God, but not all the way, not all the way committed. And not in the world totally, but just enough to feel good. You know what I'm saying? Just enough to get a buzz. Just a little. That's where he was. That was where he was in this season of his life. It, and and he, it, it doesn't say he heard from God. Because it's hard to hear from God in the middle. It's hard to hear from God between Bethel and Ai. It's hard to hear from uh, God in between. If you have some questions in your life, if you need some direction, you better move on, on closer to Bethel. Thinking you're going to receive from God in the middle, that's a, that's a long, dry, desert place to be. That's a thirsty place to be. And so while he's right here in the middle, a problem arises because they always will. They just always will. You see, he's in Canaan and a famine comes, all right? So there's not enough food. He's hungry. His family is hungry. And so you know what he does? You know the choice he makes while he's living right there in the middle? He says, you know what I'll do? I'll just go on over to Egypt to feed my hunger. Egypt is always a type of sin in the Bible, always. He goes on over to Egypt to get food. Says he's going to live there for a while. And on the way, you know how men never want to stop and ask for directions. <laughs> I, I bet they... I bet they I bet that's not right. 
I bet when he went from Canaan to Egypt, I bet they went down and around. I, I bet they didn't go straight there. I'm sorry, Russell. I know you're representing the men tonight, you guys, the few of you, but I'm just... Okay, Russell would have went straight there, and, and it says Abraham did, but we don't know for sure. So they go on to Egypt, and on the way, he has this bright idea. He has this fear come over him, this anxiety, and he said, you know what, Sarah? You're very beautiful. And I bet when we get there, and Pharaoh and his men see how beautiful you are, they are going to kill me and take you. And so listen, like it's her fault. Because you're so beautiful, I need, we need to tell a lie. We need, I need you to say that you're my sister. So they won't kill me. Because you're always thinking of yourself the most when you're living in the middle and you're on your way to Egypt. It's all about you. It's all about you. And that's how it was for Abraham. It was all about him. They might kill me because, Julie, you're so beautiful. We're going to have to lie. We're going to have to lie. And we're going to have to say that you're my sister. And sure enough, uh, Pharaoh says, well, since, hey, since she's just your sister, it's just like how Tyler proposed to Tori at Homa's house the other day. Pharaoh proposes to Sarah, and she accepts because she's, well, Abraham's told her she might die. So he moves her on into the castle, and um, they hadn't got married yet. But you know, she had to stay there for a little while. I don't. It doesn't say how long Abram left his wife there, but it did say that Pharaoh gave him some cows and sheep and other. And and then it said that Pharaoh had dreams, and then they started getting sick and sicker. So it, it wasn't just like an overnight thing. That's for sure. It wasn't just like a one-night sleepover. It, it, it went on for a while, and, and God spoke to Pharaoh and told him. And, and so he says, dude, you lied to me. Like, think about the danger he left Sarah in. I mean, I, and it's probably started out with good intentions. I have to take care of my family. That's a good thing. There's a famine. I have to provide for my family. But see, when you haven't heard from the Lord, your choice is like you, you've just got failure ahead. you got failure ahead. And so, he, you know, without the wisdom of God, he failed. But then something interesting happened. Okay? I like this part. Let's look at Genesis 13.3. Okay, this is when Pharaoh says, you guys, y'all just need to leave. From the Negev, he went from place to place. And we all know what it's like to be right there, huh? Kind of just searching, like from place to place. Until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai, where his tent had been earlier and where he had first built an altar. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. He went back. God took him back to that same altar. And, and that's what God still does today. It's really fascinating. This is fascinating. Like, you come, 
you come up front and pray or you're at home praying or whatever. You're praying and the Lord drops something in your heart, okay? And, and I don't know, it could be anything. It really doesn't matter what it is. I mean, it could be eat, eat fish on Thursday. It could be don't go here, start going there, don't do that, start doing this. Whatever it is, he'll drop some direction in your heart, okay? And you can say no. No, that, that doesn't make sense. That couldn't have been God. God wouldn't ask that level of sacrifice from me. And so you'll say no at the altar and you'll walk away and you'll think you're on some journey. But really what God's doing, you're just walking in a circle, just like the children of Israel in the desert. He's just going to lead you right back around to that same altar. And you're going to come to yourself in the pig pen and say, God, hey, listen, I need you. I, I feel cold. I feel like I've been in the middle. And you know what he's going to say? The same thing he said to you the last time you were at the altar. You see what I mean? It's faith to faith. It's growing up in God. But God is so merciful to bring him back around like that. And he's so merciful to do that with me. He's, he has to do that with me. He has to do that with you. He's so merciful to deal with all of us that way. He could squish me like a bug. What? what I'm just a speck on a planet in the sea of billions and billions of souls. But he takes the time and he orchestrates my life. He cares enough about you, Sabrina, to bring you back around and around and around after all... After all the times I failed him, he never gives up on me. And I am so thankful for that. He watches out for us, Penny. And so he's come to the altar. And this time, I know he's heard from the Lord. You know why? Because another problem arises, as they always will. But this time, you can see him deal with it in a humble way, in a, in, with the wisdom of God. And it's with Lot. Lot, who he wasn't supposed to take with him anyway. And so Lot's herdsmen and his herdsmen, it's the guys who run the sheep, the little Jeremiah's. They're not getting along. And so Abram says, listen, Lot, let's not let there be any hard feelings between me and you. Listen. You gather all your, your flocks and herds and herdsmen, and I'll gather all mine. And listen, we're up here on this mountain looking around. You decide. If you say you're going to the left, I'll go to the right. If you say you're going to the east, you pick first. And wherever you don't go, that's where I'll go. And we'll just part ways in a friendly sort of manner. And so, of course, Lot looks at the well-watered plains of Jordan. He picks the best land for himself. And it's real convenient that it was just on the way to Sodom and Gomorrah. It was just, it was like halfway there. He could see it from, from his new land in Jordan. And so Lot moves on, and Abram goes the other way, just like he said he would. The wisdom of God. And so God blesses him. And, and in Genesis 13, 14 through 18, after the separation, God speaks to Abram. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had departed from him, like he should have done years ago, look around from where you are. Now you see, 
Abram had just been humble and let Lot pick wherever he picked. I don't know which way Jordan was, but that's the way he went. And then the Lord says, you know what? You built a new altar. Let me show you how I'm going to reward you. You go ahead and look to the north, the south, the east, and the west. All the land that you see, I will give you and your offspring forever. You won't be long in lot. There will be nothing left of his family but a shame. But for you and your family, forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go, walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I am going to give it to you. So Abram went and lived near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron, where he pitched his tents. There he built an altar to the Lord. God is so merciful. It's like he let him retake the test. Have you ever had that amazing mercy granted to you? Is there anything like it? Or when they stand up and say, you know what? I've changed my mind. Decided to grade on a curve. <laughs> there is a God. There is a God. It's like he let him retake the test. And he lets us retake the test too. Over and over, round and round. He never gives up. He's so faithful when we don't deserve it. He wants to meet you at the altar. A place where you can exchange your weakness for his strength, your past failures for his mercy, your confusion for his direction, your sickness for his stripes. He paid the ultimate price, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. It's very interesting. Altar, the word altar in Hebrew, which I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce these things, is a verb. It means to slaughter or sacrifice. It's an act, an act of worship. Like when David said in Psalms, we bring the sacrifice of praise. The fruit of our lips, giving thanks to our God. But in the Greek, in the New Testament, it's translated as a noun, a place, a place of sacrifice. You see, Although it's not in vogue currently, on Sundays and some Wednesdays, I know a lot of Wednesdays are, are mostly teaching and just kind of Bible study like tonight, but on Sundays especially, the word is preached and the word is like seed and it goes out and it lands in, on the ground of your heart. And as you're sitting there hearing, it doesn't always make sense or or maybe you got some of it and you didn't get all of it. Or maybe you got all of it and you, you, you got it. When, you, when we come to the front and we pray, you have options. You can stand around and look and stare and see what everyone else is doing. You can think about what's for lunch. Or you can pray and ask God. You can, he will meet you in prayer. I, I, you don't even have to come to the front. I mean, you can just pray right where you are. Uh, he can meet you in your heart, and, and he will give you wisdom. He will speak to you and tell you, how can I practically apply this to my life? Because how it looks on me won't necessarily be how it looks on you. The direction he has for me may not be the same. You know, 
he may be telling me, stop doing this, and he may be telling you, start doing this. But it's, it's when the word has gone forth and you, and you give your heart a chance to reach out to God and hear from him. Every day when you pray is an opportunity to build an altar, to hear from God. I, I, I think that's why Paul said, I die daily. Well, that's a reference to an altar. That's a reference to sacrifice. And so that happens at an altar. And what do you need to sacrifice? Your pride, unforgiveness, sin. See this right here? This is not evil. But when you think you've got enough that you don't need God, that this is first and he's, he's back there if this doesn't work out, that's when it's evil. It's the love of money. It's you thinking that you're something because you have it. And it's poor people thinking if only they had more money, they would be better. Because you can have a lust for money even if you don't have any. I said as I observed all the people in the lottery line at the gas station. So, yeah, uh, God did not need all those animals to be sacrificed to survive. He spent like, have you ever read Leviticus? That's like, that's like uh, the rule book for sacrifice. You know, like uh, football be around the corner, Russell. Do not despair. It'll be here before you know it. Like, all these rules and stuff, I don't even understand the things they come up with. You know what I mean? Like, Leviticus is the rule book on animal sacrifice. God was very specific of how he wanted things done. Very specific. And um, here's the deal, though. God would have been God whether or not they made any sacrifices at all. He didn't need it. He didn't need it to survive. Uh, just like he doesn't need my bright ideas to survive. He doesn't need me to survive. He doesn't need my talent. He sure enough doesn't need my $7 I just put over there. He doesn't need my talent. He doesn't need my church attendance. I've not honored him tonight by throwing some notes together and speaking to you. He doesn't need me. He doesn't. But I tell you what, Israel needed to perform the act of sacrifice to survive. Israel needed to perform the act, they needed to step up to the noun of the altar and perform the act of sacrifice, the verb of sacrifice, the action. And I need to sacrifice to survive spiritually. I need to sacrifice to survive. So, I want freedom from anxiety. Then on this altar... I need to put my need to control and micromanage everything. Interested in freedom from depression? Then you're going to need to put your unforgiveness and your pain from the past and all your fear on the altar and let it go. It's a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice. And that's the thing. People want freedom from fill in the blank, but there's a sacrifice that goes along with it. You've got to be willing to make.
look at James, let's look at James 2.21. This is James, the half-brother of Jesus. So humble, he didn't even refer to himself. Look at, look at, I don't have it up there, but the very first verse of the very first chapter of James, he refers to himself as the servant of the Lord. I mean, you talk about, he could have pulled the VIP card, you know, like the backstage pass thing. He could have pulled it. I'm the half-brother of Jesus. I grew up with him. I remember when he was potty trained. I'm the servant of Jesus Christ, our Lord. James wrote this about Abraham. Was not Abraham, our father, justified by works when he offered Isaac, his son, on the altar? Now, whenever I see the word justified, here's what I always say in my mind, and you can have this trick for free. Justified, just as if I'd never sinned. Just as if I'd never sinned. So, was not Abraham our father made just as if he'd never sinned by works when he offered Isaac, his son, on the altar? sacrifice is a verb justified Abraham let me tell you something Abraham built quite a few altars like Wendy we should have videoed ourselves struggling to put this piece of art together this this mighty altar probably reminds you of something right out of Indiana Jones it's beautiful I mean like (laughs) he built quite a few altars Okay, between Genesis 13, when he was living between Bethel and Ai, and when he sacrificed his son Isaac. Well, he didn't quite, did he? But he was willing. In Genesis chapter 22, on Mount Moriah, which means chosen by Jehovah. God is calling all of us to an altar from the mediocrity of Bethel and Ai to a life of faith and sacrifice on Mount Moriah. God has chosen each of you. Say, God has chosen me. You you still have a purpose. If you are breathing in this room tonight, you still have a calling. There's still something for you to do for God, for his kingdom. There's still a part of the great commission that you're... that you're supposed to be fulfilling. There's still a work for you to do. If you're breathing, there's still a call of God on your life. There's still a call of God. He still has a plan for your life. He still has a work for you to do. And how do I know? How do I know what he wants me to do? How do I know what to do about this problem? How do I know what to do about that? When should I do this? When should I not do that? I'll tell you what, God wants to meet you at an altar. And give you his wisdom. He's no respecter of persons. The father of the faithful, look how he struggled. It amazes me. The struggles that he went through. I I, I don't want to be hard on the guy. He He just wants to take care of his family. He loved Lot. Why wouldn't he love Lot? That's Hey, that's the godly thing to do, right? He just wanted to feed his family when they were hungry. He was just trying to take care of himself, self-preservation. Is that so bad? He 
floundered and flailed and and sometimes he was on fire and sometimes he was cold and sometimes he was in between. But God was faithful to always lead him back to an altar. And God's faithful to us to always pull us back, always bring us back to that, that first calling, that place that he has for us. Let's stand tonight. I don't know what God's trying to say to you, but I do know this, according to James, God is always trying to say something to you. What I've got to do is put my heart in a position to receive it. James said, if any man like wisdom, let him ask. And I love how the Amplified says, and the giving God, he will answer. And so if God's always giving and I'm not hearing, then I've just got to step on up to the altar so I can hear him a little better. You know what I mean? He's got great things for us. There, there are miracles that are going to take place right here in this building. Not because we're all so great, not because there's anything special about this building, but because there are, there are, there is a group of believers that gather here in his name and believe that he can do anything.